So, on today's Science and Technology, why do you get lonely? We've got an answer for you. It might not be the one that you've just thought of in your mind or may think of as you ponder it. Uh, a brief history of cats as well. But first, a new era of quantum communications, thanks to a Chinese satellite. Mark Zastro, good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Uh, it certainly was a banner week for China's space program last week because on Thursday they announced the success of the world's first quantum communications satellite, or at least a, a step on the way to making it fully operational. They're doing a lot of experiments using this uh, groundbreaking satellite. But just a first, a, you know, a quick refresher on what quantum mechanic, quantum communications is, because mm. it's such a, a, a tricky concept. Well, it doesn't good luck really make any. It. Thanks. Let's see how I do here. Um, you know, one of the amazingly weird things that quantum physics tells us is that particles can have many different quantum states or properties at the same time. So, if you heard about Schrödinger's cat, speaking of cats, yes, I have. But right. I'm just seeing that word "cat," thinking of what we're going to discuss in a moment. But mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> Schrödinger's cat is the cat that can be both dead and alive at the same time. Uh, but when you look at the cat, according to quantum physics, then its state. Is determined. Uh, so just the act of observing a quantum system alters the system. So quantum communications uses a variation of that because it's also possible to put two particles into this weird sort of limbo combined state where you don't know which state either of them are in. But if you look at one of them, then suddenly they become opposites. So you, if you look at one of them, you know that the other particle is in the opposite state, even if that particle is, you know, millions of kilometers away, uh, somewhere across the universe, and that's called particle entanglement. So you can exploit this phenomenon to actually send information. You can entangle a pair of particles, you know, in one place in a lab or in a uh, using a, a laser, and then you send these entangled particles. To different locations, and once someone looks at one of them, they instantly know the state of the other particle. You're actually literally teleporting information. Not easy to wrap the old mind around this, mind you. Try explaining the internet to people a hundred years ago. Yeah, that would be a really, really tough one. Even harder than that, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, China has you know announced that the satellite has been able to actually send these pairs of entangled particles to two different stations on the ground in the Himalayas. So it's a huge. Technical achievement. So, how does this lead to hack-proof communications, though, in terms of a practical application? How, how does it make encryption stronger? Right. So, if you think about sort of uh, normal methods of encryption, you know, if you encrypt your emails or your transactions, you usually have an encryption key, and that's a long string of characters which you use to decode the message, and you and you share that with uh, with the other person. So, imagine if you could send that encryption key. But instead of using, uh, you know, like a normal fiber optic cable where you send the data in a light beam, which is the standard internet, uh, imagine if you used entangled light particles as the signal. So the data was encoded into these quantum states. So now, you know, if someone is trying to eavesdrop, if they tap your wire, uh, the act of them just observing that key. It destroys the entanglement, right? It, it resolves these states, so it leaves a trace 
on mm. the key. So everyone knows it. Instantly, you know it. If you sent it, you're, the person that you're sending it to knows it. So it's the strongest form of encryption imaginable. And a lot of scientists think that this is really going to be the future of the internet, that one day all transmissions online will be sent as quantum communications encrypted, encrypted with, uh, with quantum keys. So China's you know, very well positioned to capitalize on this. And on the very same day as this development... China launched a new X-ray space telescope. I, I mean, th- this also sounds like something that, yeah, if we were talking about creating a movie with certain facilities that would be available to some superpower, and I said to you, how about an X-ray space telescope? You might say, oh, that sounds a little bit <laughs> far-fetched, or that you know, we need to have a better name for it than that. Well, it's a uh, you know, I, it's, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good astronomical tool. Let's say maybe not so good, you know, as a as a supervillain weapon, right? But it will be able to measure uh, to to study and measure black holes uh, and other powerful objects in space that emit X rays. Uh, there are other X ray telescopes out there, like NASA's Chandra Space Telescope, which is about twice as big as China's, but that was launched about twenty years ago, almost twenty years ago. So it's it's really good for astronomers all around the world, you know, to see that uh, a new X-ray t- uh, space telescope has been launched. And on top of that, China also plans to launch four more science satellites uh, before 2021. So they're definitely looking to become, you know, a big player in space. They're targeting uh, being on par with the U.S. and Europe, and they're certainly uh, well on their way to getting there. Now let's move to topic that is, in a way, the very opposite of advanced communications loneliness and why it exists do you know something mark just pondering this i'm not even totally sure that i know what loneliness feels like i say that because there have probably been times in my life where mm. i've thought oh I'm, I'm feeling lonely but you know is that actually loneliness or is it just fleeting sadness or boredom or something of that nature true loneliness is is quite a profound state i would suspect that would come from you know, either feeling cut off or being physically cut off from other people. It, well, it certainly is that. It's a, it's a very complex emotion, and you can certainly see that in the studies that are actually being done on, on, on loneliness like, like this one that really look at loneliness from an evolutionary perspective. Mm. And, and, you know, as you say, why, why does it exist in the first place? And so this study that uh, we're talking about now, it's from a team of researchers in the U.S., actually includes a husband and wife team, John and Stephanie Cacioppo. And, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, loneliness may seem like it has a simple purpose. It, it makes us social. It serves to drive us to come together to be part of the herd and increase our chances of survival. But then you might ask, why do we seem to be getting more lonely? Uh, you know, it's, I, that's not just... If, if you feel that way, you're not alone because research agrees that uh, we're sort of in a, in a what some public health officials would say is an epidemic of chronic loneliness. So this uh, team of researchers conducted a study of 229 older American adults between the ages of 64 and 82, and they tracked them for 11 years. And what they found is that, you know, as if they report that they no longer have companionship, as they lose their spouses or friends, you know, they report becoming more lonely the next year, which, uh, you know, is, is not surprising. But then if they're more lonely, then the next year they tend to become more self-centered, 
in, in the next year, not more social. And the more self-centered they are, then the more likely they are to be lonely the next year. People get to like their own company as well. That, that's also true. Um, and so the Kachiopos think that, you know, this actually has an evolutionary uh, root, that loneliness didn't necessarily drive people to be more social, right? If people were cast out or separated from the group, they also had to become more reliant, more self-reliant in order to survive. Mm-hmm. So, but, that, you know, that focus on ourselves in today's society, sometimes that can actually increase your isolation. So it can become sort of a terrible feedback loop. I mean, just as a sideline, I think it's interesting that um, people who generally hang out more with other human beings tend to live longer. That, that's, there have been quite a few studies that have been done on that. And whether that's because of the social aspect or some other biology going on there or a combination of both, it certainly mm-hmm. is also an extra incentive to hang around, isn't it, other people? Yeah. Uh, but we are living in this era where technology makes it easier to communicate while still feeling lonely. And from an evolutionary perspective, it seems it should make it easier for loneliness to help us, to drive us to, to find other humans. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think a lot of us may recognize this feeling of being on social media, scrolling through our, our feeds and seeing you know, what our friends are doing, and we have FOMO, right? We're, we're worried about what we're missing out. And I think this, <laughs> this study is kind of uh, capturing that. You know, we become more self-centered sometimes as a response to our loneliness. And maybe in a sense that you know, explains why we, some of us feel like we're, leading, we're living more performative lives on social I, media. I, I mean, this whole subject deserves more attention than we've given it here. But um, we want to finish off with one more story. A way to relieve loneliness is maybe to have good companionship with a pet. For thousands of years, humans have sought comfort in feline companions. So, sorry, dog lovers, we're talking about the cats here. Uh, scientists have released a study tracing their origins of domestication. Yeah, this is, this is a really cool study. The scientists have traced the, the evolution of cats, how they were domesticated with DNA analysis, using the remains of over 200 ancient, you know, cats, including some mummified remains from ancient Egypt. Uh, you know, we've seen lots of studies in the past where people have done this for, have, people have done this for dogs, but now we have it for cats. And? We know that <laughs> So we found out that they were uh, domesticated first in modern-day Turkey, probably by farmers around 9,000 years ago, and they spread to Europe a couple thousand years later. And then they were tamed again separately in Egypt, and then they spread throughout the Mediterranean, uh, again on, you know, on ships where they were used to catch mice. And Egyptian cats even wound up with the Vikings. So they were obviously pretty popular. That's right. Straight away. But I don't know, with dogs... I mean, you, you kind of get what you give, don't you? People have their own relationships with different pets. Another subject for another day, though, Mark. We've got to leave it there. That's our science and technology and our show for today with Mark Zastro rounding it out. Kardashian and Careerscapes next.